We're going to Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 12. Prophecy points to who? All right. Isaiah 53, 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Wow. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, he hid, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you right now, in the name of Jesus. Dear God, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. And Lord, I would ask that you would speak to our hearts today. And dear God, I pray that you'd open our understanding that we would understand the scriptures. We ask, dear God, that the Holy Spirit would work in our lives. And Lord, may we just so much appreciate what you've done for us. May we realize prophecy points to you. And now we thank you for this. Pray that you would use it. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. All right. We've got verses underneath there that we can look at. And I'll be just speaking about some of them. Very, very important. We're going to be moving through this now constantly. And like I said before, we're going to get to where we have to use that good old King James Bible more and more and more. Ever so important. Now listen to me. As we start off today, Jesus Christ, prophecy points to who? All through the Old Testament, there's prophecy after prophecy in the Psalms and all of these major and minor prophets pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's things, though, that I want you to see, points that I want you to grab, things that I want you to comprehend that's ever so important. Now watch this. In verse 1, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? See that word revealed? The, the, who's it revealed to? That's what's important. I've got down there John twelve thirty eight. But that passage of Scripture starts in verse 37, goes to verse 41. Let's focus. I want you to focus on this, on this right here. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Ever so important. And watch this now. As I go to the Word of God, in John 12, start at verse 37. Turn in your Bibles there. Watch this now. Remember, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, first of all, let me show you who it's not revealed to. Verse 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Verse 38, John 12, 38. That the saying of Isaiah, that's Isaiah, that's where we're at. The prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, 
And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Wow. Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah said again. Verse 40. Now watch this. He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted. And I should heal them. Verse 41. These things said Isaiah, that's Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spake of him. I want you to know, it says, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, when I look at this, it tells me that there's a whole lot of Jews that God had blinded, that God had hardened their heart. Buddies that they couldn't see, they couldn't feel, they couldn't do nothing. He had blinded them. You see, listen to me. People think they can treat God like an old mangy dog and get away with it. People think that they can just reject God, not listen to God, treat God any way they want to. And not have a consequence for that? I want you to know something. These Jews, these religious people, boys, we just read, he was rejected of them. They didn't want him. They abused him. And so if God says, all right, if that's how you want it, I'll let you have it that way. So point number one, you better understand, he's Lord. Time after time after time, I'm working on a message, he's Lord. You'll find that all through the New Testament, Jesus Christ is called Lord. I hear people say, well... You need to make Jesus Christ Lord. No, 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 you're too late. God already made him Lord. The fact of it is, is you just don't want to accept the one that God the Father has already declared Lord. You want to be Lord of your own cotton-picking life. And guess what? You You want to treat God like that? You want to treat Christ like that? Go right ahead. Let's see how it works out for you. When God says, all right, I'm done with you. I just leave you alone. Listen, I hear people talk all the time, say some of the dumbest things. I heard a preacher the other day, he was talking about God predestined people to go to hell. That's a lie. All they have to do is leave us alone, we'll die and go to hell. That's called double predestination and that's not taught in the Bible. There's condemnation. That's taught in the Bible. You see, ladies and gentlemen, what we find here, condemnation and judgment. These people want to reject him. God says, okay, well, I'm going to reject you. That's it. So let me say this to you as I start off working your way through this. It says, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
I tell you who it's revealed to. It's revealed to those that God has chosen to reveal it to. Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Listen, I tell you who it's revealed to. We can keep on reading and but you're going to find out there, there's some people that believed. There's some people that it opened up to. There were some people that they believed. They confessed him and believed in him. You know something? Out of those people, those are the ones. You keep reading it right here, you'll find it. Some believed. But it wasn't them that believed. It was some others that believed. Like you, you nasty Gentiles. Boy, we ought to praise God for that. Now listen, watch this now. Verse 2, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I want you to know something. Jesus Christ looked like any other man. Jesus Christ looked like a common man. Back in the 60s especially, in early 70s, the Pentecostals printed magazines up, especially when that movie come out, Jesus Christ Superstar and all that stuff. They had magazines that showed Jesus out on the front of the magazine. Man, he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger at his best moment. I mean, my goodness. I mean, every picture of Jesus in there was... Just something else, unbelievable. You see, but the Word of God tells us something different. The Word of God tells us what He looked like. He didn't look like anything special, but He was. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole 20 sermons in that scripture. The fact of it is, He didn't look like something special, but He was. Amen. You see, we have to learn to listen to what he said. We had to learn to listen and look at what he did. Boy, when you look and see what he had done, what he had said, when you look and see that God the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to know, what else do you need? Isn't that enough? How much scripture do we need before we're going to believe something? Watch this now. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Whoa. Rejected. I'm telling you something. As we look at this. I'm going to go in my Bible right now to John chapter 1, and I'm going to look at verses 10 to 13. John chapter 1, verses 10 to 13. Here's what we're going to find. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received Him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see that? Verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, 
nor the will of man, but of God. What's this Armenian crowd going to do with that verse? Oh, well, here, come here. You pray this prayer and, and God will save you. The will of man? No, 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 no. Look what it says, ladies and gentlemen. You see, Jesus Christ was not crucified because what he had done. He was crucified because what he had said. That he was the Son of God. And down through the years, there's been a multitude of Christians died under the hand of persecution. Not because of what they had done. And helping others and all kinds. But what they had said. What they had claimed. That they were saved. Blood washed. Born again. Eternal security. And by the way. That's another thing. That it tickles me. Here in America. If you believe in the sovereignty of God and salvation. That God's sovereign in salvation. They call you a Calvinist. In Germany. They call you a Baptist. But if you believe in, a, in eternal security in Germany, they call you a Calvinist. In America, if you believe in eternal security, they say, well, you're, you're a Baptist. Huh. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when people that don't believe the Word of God, what they want to do is they want to pigeonhole those that do. They want to give them a name. But boy, when you get out and get to looking at it, watch this now. When you look at these verses, look at verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. True salvation is an act of God, not man. Not of the flesh, not of man's will, of God. That, ladies and gentlemen, is so important. You see, he is despised and rejected of men. Yeah. Why? Because it wasn't revealed to them. Revealed, accepted, so on. Watch this now. As I look at these truths, He was despised and we esteemed him not. I want you to know, now think about this. Just think about of all the religions that name the name of Christ, that have Christ involved in them, but guess what they do? They take away the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. They take away the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those do. They esteem him not. My goodness That's why a lot of people like these Catholics up here, man, they don't believe the blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient. All these people that want to work for their salvation, they don't believe that the blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient. The truth of it is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You don't have to go to purgatory. You don't have to try to work your way out of it, pay your way out of it. The blood of Jesus Christ has already paid the eternal price for the saved. And your your blood, man, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. Watch this now. 
Let us esteem him as we should. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Wow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Oh, he, he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Oh, praise God for that. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. Let's see what we find there. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. You're familiar with it. Verse 27. It says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now wait a minute. Look at the punctuation, would you please? Look at the punctuation. Right? I, I've told you, told you, pay attention to the punctuation. You got them two little dots there, don't you? That means verse 28 goes with verse 27. Let's look at this now. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Praise God for that. Ha! Boy, going to die. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Praise God. Doesn't say all. It says many. Isn't that right? You see, ladies and gentlemen, what a blessed hope we have. Turn to 1 Peter, just a few pages over. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, and then stay there. We're going to use that for a couple things. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Look and see what we have. We're talking about Jesus Christ. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Verse 24, 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Amen. You see, ladies and gentlemen, salvation, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's Christ's blood, Christ's sacrifice. It, it was, that sacrifice was satisfying to the Father. And boy, look at here. I like that word healed. Go to verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Look at that. He was wounded, what? For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. And with his stripes we are healed. Healed of that sin. I mean Heal, clean the damage that sin has done to the soul of humanity, ladies and gentlemen, is healed by the precious death of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Son of God. Amen. You're healed. Amen. Isn't that good? Amen. Listen, the doctor can't even heal this old flesh at times. But one drop of the blood of the Son of God can wash all of our sins away. Heal, clean, prepared for heaven. Amen. Look at that. And with his stripes we're healed. Ah, turn to 1 Peter 3.18. 1 
Look at 1 Peter 3.18 real quick. Look at what we find here. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I had done some Bible lessons with a fellow over in West Kentucky. Uh, he, was, he was probably up in his 40s at the time and unsaved. But boy, he woke his wife up one morning early and uh, he, he told her, he said, listen, he got to reading that verse right there, the just for the unjust. They called me about five o'clock. God had saved him. And praise God for that. He said, lazy man, he said, I woke up. I, told, I woke my wife up and said, I got to pray. He, him and her got down beside the bed right there. He prayed, except the Lord is the Savior. And he said, boy, I couldn't get away from that, the just for the unjust. He said, I didn't understand this thing about substitution. But I kept reading that, the just for the unjust. And then I understood what substitution was all about. It was him for me. Praise God for that. Look at that. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have turned every one to his own way. Boy, that's us, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we think we got a better way, a better widget, better gadget, a better method, everything. But it said, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. You see, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> without God working in our lives, listen, one of my prayers is this, dear God, don't leave me alone. Whatever you do, don't leave me alone. Just as sure as you leave me alone, I'm going to mess up. Just as sure as you walk away from me or just try to test me somehow, I'm going to mess up. God, don't do it. I guarantee you I'll mess up. The reality of it, ladies and gentlemen, look at this. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. <clears throat> Can you imagine that? That Jesus Christ on the cross was carrying the sins of all of us. No wonder that old death was cruel. No wonder that old cross was cruel. No wonder that old cat of nine tails was cruel. No wonder in Isaiah 52 it said his visage was marred more than any man. Beat beyond recognition. Why? Because he was carrying, ladies and gentlemen, the sin of all sinners. Hmm. Verse 7. Watch this now. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. When you turn to Mark 15, 5, you'll find the statement, Pilate was marveled at this. 
Pilate just couldn't believe that he would stand there and not say a word. Nothing. That's got to be amazing. You were just accused of this and you're not going to say anything? But Jesus answered nothing so that Pilate marveled is what it says. You see, prophecy points to who? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Prophecy points to who? Jesus Christ. That's why you find all of these little verses going back, going back, going back. These little verses going back. Now watch this. Verse 8 and 9. He was taken from prison, from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know the importance of that one little statement. No deceit in his mouth. None. In other words, when he declared himself to be the son of God, that's what he was. When he talked about his relationship to heaven, that's what he was. When he talked about and put into the word of God that he was the beginning and the last, that's what he was. When he said he was the bright and morning star, that's what he is. I want you to know when he said he was the savior of the world, that's what he was. There was no deceit in the mouth of the savior whatsoever. As you and I journey through the book of God, I want you to know something. Boy, the absolute importance of this. The absolute importance of us realizing there was no deceit in his mouth. You see, ladies and gentlemen, none. Everything he said was true. True. No wonder... The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me except by him. That's it. There's no other way than him. He is the truth. As we look at this, we realize that there was no deceit in his mouth. When he preached about hell, some people don't even believe in hell. But if the Son of God preached about hell, told us about hell, he did that because there is one. When Jesus Christ talked about heaven and talked all about heaven, there's people that don't believe that, but he told us there was a heaven. You know why? Because there is one. Uh, There's a reality to it. He talked about the blood. Oh, his sacrifice on the cruel cross of Calvary. You know what? You know why he talked about it? Because that's the only way it's got to be. There's no other way. God the Father's not accepted anything else but that. That's the only way it's going to be. Ladies and gentlemen, the shed blood of the Son of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to me. 
There was no deceit in his mouth. None whatsoever. You know what that means? That means everybody better listen to him. Because he's telling the truth about eternity. He's telling the truth about the present. He's telling the truth about true conversion. He's telling the truth. He's Lord. He's telling the truth. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Savior. No lies come out of his mouth. And I like the word deceit that stands for deception. There was no deception in the Lord Jesus Christ. None whatsoever. You see, ladies and gentlemen, everything he said about himself was true. Everything he said about you and me is true. Everything he said about his relationship with God the Father was true. Everything he said about his relationship with this world is true. Everything he said about his relationship between him and the devil is true. I want you to know something. Everything he said about his power is true. When Jesus said, God the Father has given me all things and all power, I want you to know something. He said that because it's true. It's true. Absolutely true. Amen. 100%. There was no deceit in his mouth. You and I had better pay close attention to that. Verse 10. Watch this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Hmm, For you and me. When thou shalt make his soul an offering... For sin. Look at that. God the Father was going to make his soul, the soul of Jesus Christ, his son, an offering for sin. God the Father, now listen to this. Just think about this. God the Father took the sinless Son of God. And made his soul an offering for sin. Him that knew no sin paid the price for those that knew nothing but sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in the land. Made him to be... Sin for us. Turn over in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And you know what you're going to find there? This little statement that he was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. <clears throat> the Bible says all of our righteousness is as of filthy rags. The Bible says all of our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. That's it. For he hath made him to be sin for us. I want you to know something. He became sin for us. Jesus said, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down of myself. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, he died for you. He died for you. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. He was willing to do that. Oh, my soul, as I look at that, made to be sin for us. Amen. The sinless Son of God was made sin for you and me. <clears throat> Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now these next few verses, I want you to follow me. Because I want you to see how much you and I should really appreciate the work of Jesus Christ God's Son, and the work of God the Father on your behalf, on my behalf, on our behalf. Watch this now. We're going to find here, watch this. In verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, what? To himself. He adopted you for himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. How do you like that? We read that verse over there. Not according to flesh. Not according to the will of man. But of God. Now we see over here. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. By Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Oh ladies and gentlemen listen. When you understand the precious truths of the word of God, like we said in the Sunday school, you shall never fall. Why? Because your, your life and your salvation hadn't been built upon sand. Amen. It's built upon the solid rock. And it's upon the solid rock I stand. Amen. That's it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, as I look at this, I realize, oh my goodness. I'm going to take you on a journey real quick. Not only is your adoption according to his will. Now watch this. Make sure you got your Bible in your hand. I'm going to show you something here that will bless you. And if it don't bless you, your blessers broke. All right, now watch this. I want you to go to verse 11. 
Now here's what it says. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Do you know what that means? That means God the Father was satisfied with the sacrifice of his son to pay our sin debt. You see, the difference between true Christians and idol worshipers are this. True Christians understand that the Son of God paid the sin debt to God the Father. The heathens, they're constantly trying to pay some type of debt to their idols to make sure their idols don't treat them mean. That's what I want you to do. Verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God was satisfied with the sacrifice of his son. Now look what it says. By his knowledge. By his knowledge. Man, we talked about that earlier, didn't we? His knowledge. In the Sunday school. The knowledge. Shall my righteous servant. Now look what it says. Justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities justify there's not a human on earth listen there's none of us can justify ourselves in the eyes of God the Father nobody can justify themselves in the eyes of God the Father only Jesus Christ and his shed blood only he can justify us justify that means like you're clean. You've been justified. Nothing hold against you anymore. And watch this though. For you shall bear their iniquities. Now I want to take you somewhere. I want you to go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I want to show you something here. We are justified... All right? He's going to bear our iniquities. The Bible says that Christ purchased our salvation. Isn't that right? That's what it says. He purchased our salvation. Well, he's the owner of it, isn't it? And if he's going to pass it out, if he's going to give it to anybody... Without them having to pay for it, it's going to be a gift. Isn't that right? Now watch this. Romans 5. Look at verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Say free gift. Free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God... And uh, say it, the gift of grace, say it, the the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Praise God for that. Verse 16, gift, gift, see that gift and gift, verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the, say it, the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the, say it again, free gift, see that, is of many offenses unto justification. 
Look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. How do you like that? They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. You see that, ladies and gentlemen, you don't work it up, cook it up, nor make it up. Bless God, it's given to you. It's a gift of God. Amen. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Man, the gift, the gift, the gift of gift. How do you like that? That the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to know something. When I look at that, the free gift, so is the gift of the gift, the free gift. Ladies and gentlemen, when I look at this justified, look at this. Verse, verse 11, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. In other words, Jesus Christ has bought our salvation. Jesus Christ has purchased our salvation. And the only way he gives that salvation out, he's already done all the work. His blood was satisfactory and sufficient. We are recipients of that. It comes to you and me in the form of a gift from God. Amen. Now that's good stuff. Amen. Go to verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. <clears throat> And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. <clears throat> he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Not only did Jesus Christ purchase our salvation with his blood, not only did he justify us, not only does he have that free gift for those that are truly born again saved, but now he's going to make intercession for us. We need somebody in heaven to make intercession for us. Now watch this. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 34. Look at this now, verse 33 and 34. Intercession for us. <clears throat> Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. It is God that justifies. It's God that justifies. You can't justify yourself. There ain't no, there ain't no church can justify you. There's no ecclesiastical ceremony that can justify you. There's no baptismal water that can justify you. I want you to know it's God that justifies you. Amen. That's it. Amen. We're justified. The blood of the Son of God 
Washed all of our sins away. We're just because of the justifier who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Watch this now. <clears throat> Verse 34. Who is he? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Amen. Man, glory to God for that. I want to tell you what, the devil stands up and says, Ah, you see what he said? Did you hear what she said? Did you hear what they did? You look at that. Boy, the devil's up there trying to throw something bad out. And I want you to know, we have an advocate with the Father. And the Father, our advocate, stands up and says to the Father, He's mine. He's under the blood. He's mine. That does it. Devil loses the fight right there. That's it. Done. He's mine. See, ladies and gentlemen, we have an intercessor in heaven. We have this very hour. I want you to know the Son of God is with God the Father making intercession for you and me. Claiming us. As his. I want you to know you talk about lawyer. Turn to Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews chapter 7. Let me show you something. Verse 25. Hebrews 7.25. And then we'll look at one other verse also. Hebrews 7.25. Let's see what it says here. This is wonderful. Wherefore, he is able. There's a song that says he is able. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Folks, listen to me. Not only is Jesus Christ come to this earth, took upon the form of a man, lived as the Son of God, died upon the cruel cross of Calvary, shed His precious blood that has the power to wash all of our sins away, rose again the third day. Acts, it says, this same Jesus went up is going to come again. Not another one. This same one's coming back. This same one's coming back. I want you to know something. It's Him. It's Him. The Bible declares it's Him. Wherefore, He is able also to save to the uttermost. Listen, I don't care if your sins is blacker than the hinges on the doors of hell itself. The blood of Jesus Christ can wash all of your sins away. He's able to save to the uttermost. That come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Boy, you have a lawyer in heaven. You got somebody that's making intercession for you right now. Isn't that good? My soul, folks. You see, the more you learn of Him, the more you love Him. The only thing you have to do is enjoy it. He's doing everything else. 
Isn't that good? Amen. Watch this. Hebrews 9.24. Let's see what we find here. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Man, he's not showing up in a tabernacle on earth. Look what it says. You talk about something that'll put a little glory in you, a little cause you to just rejoice. Look what it says. But into heaven itself. Man, he's gone to heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's right there. Jesus Christ is right there. The God, the Son of God is right there with God the Father. Making intercession for you and me. Isn't that wonderful? That reminds me. This this father, he took some boys, took his son, some other kids to a carnival. They all had tickets for the Ferris wheel and stuff. And uh, his dad was standing there and his son come over and said, Dad, give him one of the tickets. He said, well, who's that? He said, well, that's, that's one of my friends. I know him. They said, I don't know him. He said, Dad, you don't know him, but I know him. So the dad said, well, since you know him, son, he gave him a ticket. First time I heard that story, I thought, you know, no wonder we pray in the name of Jesus. No wonder we praise Jesus. Why? Because in the name of the Son, the Father hears it and moves on it. Isn't that good? Man, look at this now. As we draw toward an end, I want you to show you something. You've got an advocate with the Father. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Just a few pages over from where you're at. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Let me show you something. This is where you and I can rejoice and rejoice well. This is where you and I can rejoice. Look at this. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate with the Father. How do you like that, folks? We have an advocate with the Father. Listen, I want you to think about something. Christians that don't understand this precious doctrine. Oh, they live a terrible life. I've heard people say, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. God's really mad at me. I'll tell you something. You have an advocate with the Father. You know that? Isn't that great? I want you to realize it, revel in it, and rejoice in the fact. As we look at Isaiah 53, it brings some precious 
truths to your life and mine. It brings some realities to your life and mine. It brings this reality that Christ died. We're adopted into the family. Salvation is a free gift of God. Jesus Christ is in heaven making intercession for us right now. We have an advocate with the Father. You talk about a blessedness. And I end with 53.1, Isaiah 53.1 now. Who hath believed our report? Ladies and gentlemen, how much scripture does it take to get you to believe these precious truths? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To everybody that's in the will of God. That's it. Those truths are revealed. Made known. Matthew chapter 13. Having eyes to see, they see not. And having ears to hear, they hear not. But Jesus said, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Amen. Amen. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Praise God for that. Rejoice in that. But if God's never saved you, listen. Conversion. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things pass away. All things become new. True conversion changes your heart about the world. Changes your mind about the world. Changes your heart and mind about yourself. True conversion puts Christ on the throne Because he's king. Puts Christ on the throne. Because he's Lord and God made him Lord. People say, well, you ought to make Jesus Christ Lord. Sorry, too late. God's already done it. True conversion changes your relationship with this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Praise God for that. Oh, the sweetness. The sweetness of it is unbelievable. Let's all stand if you would please. Join me. Join me as we sing. Oh, you talk about something that's precious to us. I tell you what, we could preach on a lot of things, but the minute you get to talking about the blood, the devil starts buying tongues. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we have an advocate with the Father. Join me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
God is good, isn't he? Now these folks, they've got some CDs back there. All right. And so if you want one, go back there and get it. I let them know how much you appreciated their being them being with us today and singing stuff. God's good, isn't he? I tell you. All right. Now listen, we're going to take one of these baskets, put it back there, and we'll take up an offering like we usually do. All right. So the church is going to give them something. And then if you want to give them something, you go ahead. Or if you want to take your money and go back there and buy CDs, they don't care. Do that too. All righty. And praise the Lord for that. Thankful that they were here today with us. Amen. God is good. And remember, if God's dealing with you, if God's dealing with you, let us know about it. All right? That's a good thing, isn't it? Let us know about it. Are you right with God? Or are, would you be pleased if you were to die right now? Is everything all right between you and God? Amen? Brother Walt, dismiss us in prayer, please.